This is Brian Dascom with the AWC City Voice podcast, where we explore the issues that impact Washington cities. We're here today with Sheila Gall, AWC's general counsel, as well as Candace Bach, our government relations director. And I want to encourage you both. Um, I did a, one of the small city connectors this week, and uh, it was in Stevenson. And whenever I asked what communications AWC does that are helpful to them, somebody said, I love the podcast. So there's at least one person <laughs> one out fan. there. Right. That's right. We, there could be more. There could be a significant number, but I know there's at least one. And so that gives me a lot of encouragement uh, <laughs> as we record this. I, hope I think there's more there. fans out there. I bet you're right. I bet you're right. Um, we do certainly hope this is a, a helpful and informative uh, resource for you, and, and today's uh, an especially important one as we talk about uh, the budget. So, can can one of you tell me, I, I'm as as uh, an outsider to the budget process, it seems uh, a little complicated. I know we've gotten budgets from the governor and from the House and Senate, um, and yet we don't have a final budget yet. So, can can uh, Candace, can you explain where we are in the process with the budget? Well, I think the fact that it's complicated sort of sums it up. It is a complicated process. As you mentioned, there are three different budgets. There's actually nine different budgets because really uh, each house and the governor proposed three budgets, an operating budget, uh, a transportation budget, and a capital budget. So there are really nine different budgets floating around out there. The governor, of course, proposed his versions of the budget back in December. Uh, the House released their budgets uh, last Monday, and uh, the Senate has uh, released their budgets as well. Last night, the Ways and Means Committee um, voted on their version of the operating budget, and it had 118 amendments, I think, that were considered. They went until like well into the early hours of the morning. Um, so there's a lot of work that goes into these budgets. And now we that all the budget proposals are on the table, there's gonna be a point where they move into more of negotiations between the two bodies in particular, but also at the governor's office. So session ends on April 28th. And they have these next few weeks to sort out um, all of those various budget pieces and come to agreement. Okay. So it's anticipated that by the end of the month, we'll, we'll know the final budget. That's what's anticipated there. This is the time in session where people start talking about whether or not they're going to need to go into special session. Um, they're going to need some overtime to get it sorted out. But I think we're still being optimistic that they will work it out by the end of the um, regular session on April 28th. Well, now that we have uh, the proposed budgets from both the House and Senate, what does it look like for cities? I think Sheila and I have been having this conversation. I think overall we're feeling like cities are doing okay in these various budget proposals. Um, You know, there's some things that we like, a few things we don't like, a few things we wished were in there, but overall pretty good. And they're not that far apart. It's, It's roughly a $2 billion difference between the two budgets, and a lot of the numbers are pretty similar. So the House and Senate budgets uh, aren't that far apart. That's correct. And are they similar to the governor's budget, or is it an outlier among the three? That's a good question. I think, um, you know, there's some there's some areas where they've got uh, some similarities. The real distinction in the budgets is how they fund them. And so that's what drives the, the differences and how well cities did in the, the various budgets. Um, the governor proposed um, new revenue, significant new revenue. Um, the House also proposed new revenue less than the governor, 
Um, the Senate proposed some new revenue uh, different than their counterparts in the House. Um, so it gives them a, a different amount of funding to work with. I think one of the biggest questions that people are asking right now um, who aren't maybe here in Olympia dealing with this stuff day to day is why are they proposing new revenue when the revenue forecast says they've got the most money ever um, the revenue forecasts have been coming in higher than anticipated. Uh, and it, you know it's a valid question. And the answer is that expenditures are just outpacing their revenues at this point. And the commitments that they've made, particularly in K-12 education, um, need to be fully funded. And so the, the argument from the Democrats is those things, um, are they're outpacing the revenue that's available and we need as a state new revenue. They're also um, really focused on the regressive nature of um, Washington's tax structure. And so they wanna take a look at that. They wanna find ways where they can rebalance it. So that's what you're seeing in some of their different revenue proposals. And, and again, some of the reason the budgets are, are different and further apart. I see. Now, uh, for for city leaders who are thinking forward to uh, projects that they may need to complete or uh, resources they're they're counting on, what what are some keys in the budget that they should that they should be aware of where we're either doing well or, or where we're worried? Well, yeah, Sheila is our expert on <laughs> fiscal policy, and one of the areas that cities look to most um, in the budget are the state of our our shared revenues and um, how we fare in some of those things. So. That's an important area. Yeah, and I think we've seen over past biennium that sometimes where the legislature looks to rebalance some gaps if they have some and sort of in the end negotiation. So we're always vigilant about monitoring those traditional revenues, our liquor taxes, our um, uh, fire insurance premium taxes, uh, new revenue sources like our marijuana excise tax funds, our municipal criminal justice money. And overall, uh, those uh, are uh, both similar in the House and Senate budgets and seem to be fully funded. In addition, uh, a couple of years ago when the Marketplace Fairness Bill passed, streamlined sales tax mitigation was assumed to end as of October of this year. Uh, there are still some jurisdictions out there who aren't being made whole. Um, and so both budgets assume to some extent that that mitigation will actually continue past October, which is a very positive thing for those few cities still dealing with that issue. Yeah, so the fact that um, the state shared revenues are, are mostly intact and uh, in the case of streamlined sales tax, continuing on beyond what was originally anticipated is good news. The other area that we look to, as you, you mentioned for projects, is um, infrastructure funding, and in particular, the Public Works Trust Fund. And that's probably the area where there's the most difference between the, the various budget proposals. Um, if you remember back when the governor's budget came out, we um, raised some red flags over the fact that that proposal would further sweep $140 million out of the Public Works Trust Fund. The House unfortunately followed suit and um, swept $160 million out of the Public Works Trust Fund. Uh, they also earmarked some of the remaining funding for specific projects. They diverted $25 million into a new broadband account. Um, 
And so that really leaves only about $80 million in the Public Works Trust Fund for competitive loan uh, applications. The Senate, on the other hand, um, is much better news for us in the Public Works Trust Fund. They didn't divert or sweep any money out of the trust fund into the operating budget. Um, They do uh, transfer $20 million into the new broadband account, so we have concerns about that transfer, um, those diversions. But overall, they leave more funding in the Public Works Trust Fund for those competitive loan applications for projects. Uh, And a lot of that has to do with, again, going back to the revenue situation, um, the Senate proposed a change to the hazardous substance tax that generates um, more revenue uh, for capital projects and allows them to kind of free up some of that capacity and gives them room to not sweep those Public Works Trust Fund dollars. So um, that's a a big positive. So it's one of those things that cities really need, again, to be vigilant about and to be vocal about with their legislators, the importance of the Public Works Trust Fund um, and why we don't want dollars diverted and the needs in our community. Uh, The legislature continues to think that the demand on their resources is is bigger and, and, and more complicated than the demand on some local resources. So that's why they keep going to the, back to the Public Works Trust Fund. I see. And so with, with that conversation currently going on in the legislature, that conversation about to what extent the Public Works Trust Fund should be funded, um, then it's a good time, an important time for city leaders to contact their legislators and let them know of how important it is for them? It, it really is. And and specifically focusing on projects that they may have that they would like to go to the Public Works Trust Fund and apply for. Uh, The legislature swept over a billion dollars out of the Public Works Trust Fund in the last 10 years, and we won't get those investments back in infrastructure. What it means for cities is they've got to fund these projects at a higher cost, and that's going to translate into higher rates for um, all of our residents. So, yeah, they really do need to talk to their legislators about the importance of the Public Works Trust Fund. And I know many will say, well, I have, um, but this is one where uh, repetition is important. Okay, so uh, diligence and communication on on that issue. Now, what about uh, our other uh, legislative priorities for the year Uh, or or any of those uh, other priorities affected by this these proposed budgets in a word yes (laughs) Uh, I think we're seeing some major investments in a number of our priorities particularly around affordable housing and the behavioral health system I think in particular the housing investment is what people are calling historic levels there's a little bit of difference between the Senate and the House but they're both above previous years uh, the Senate has a higher amount. They invest $175 million into the Housing Trust Fund, which in turn will lead to projects that help deal with our affordable housing crisis. Another AWC priority is around the Basic Law Enforcement Training Academy. We know that about 25% of the state's law enforcement officers are, will be eligible for retirement in the next five years, and there's a huge training need for cities. Meanwhile, we've had backlogs in the Criminal Justice Training Center's Basic Law Enforcement Academy. So we're pleased that both budgets have full funding for additional classes, 19 classes per year, which is what we had requested. And in addition, the House budget actually has some additional funds to help smaller jurisdictions uh, deal with the gaps as uh, people are away at training. That's very good news on that priority. Yeah, our cities deserve a lot of credit for advocating to their legislators um, to see that those classes are fully funded. 
Another area where we actually have some concerns uh, about the budget are around pensions. And one proposal that's been out there that we've been um, expressing opposition to is a 3% across the board cost of living increase or COLA for PERS-1 retirees. And I think everybody's sympathetic to um, retirees who are on a fixed income, uh, especially those who maybe don't have a very large pension to start with. But this is a 3% across the board increase, um, regardless of your the size of your pension currently. And it results in a significant cost for local governments. It would result in about $25 million in increased pension costs uh, in the next biennium for local governments. That's on top of about $154 million that we already incur for the unfunded liability in the PERS-1 system. Unfortunately, the PERS-1 system's just not fully funded. So every year, cities pay into that account to keep it afloat and keep paying those pensions. So we raise concerns when they're looking at increasing benefits that aren't paid for initially. Um, and again, would rather see a more targeted uh, cost of living approach to those who truly need it. We're also concerned about a transfer of $300 million out of the Left 2 pension program to the new benefits improvement account. Um, Actually, that account isn't necessarily new, but it's not been funded before. And so this is a new transfer of $300 million out of the existing fund that's supposed to cover existing benefits into an account that would fund new as yet unidentified benefits. So we don't think that is a good precedent. Um, We think those dollars should remain in the Left 2 program for the benefits that they're supposed to pay for. And we're concerned that this transfer could result down the road in a rate increase, um, perhaps during the next recession when the fund isn't as robust as it is currently. So we would ask the legislature not to make those two pension changes in this budget process. Uh, what about culverts? I know that's an issue that uh, is is certainly budget dependent. Has that been affected by these proposed budgets? Culverts have been affected by the the budget proposals. Um, you know, initially AWC was supporting uh, full funding of the Fishberry Removal Board's fifty million dollar request. Um, that was apparently a little bit optimistic. Uh, the budgets um, have not come in at that high a level. The governor proposed twenty five million dollars uh, for that program. The uh, House also includes $25 million. I believe, though, they include it in the transportation budget. That's correct, yes. Um, and then the Senate proposes a little bit higher level. I think it's um, almost $31 million for uh, the Fishberry Removal Board and, and culvert local culvert projects. So, you know, it's certainly not as high as we would have liked to have seen. Um, but one of the things we're really pleased about is the legislature has heard our message in regards to the need to fund local culverts and not just focus on state-owned culverts um, because that investment wouldn't get fish further, wouldn't really um, solve the problem that we're all trying to solve. So we're pleased that they've heard that message. Um, We would like to see more funding in it, but I think we think it's a good first-year effort. We do do want to go back to behavioral health. Uh, we kind of glossed over the fact that there's more money in the budget. But um, specifically, we've been pushing for a mental health field response grant program. There was a pilot program that was approved in the last biennium's budget. Uh, It basically pays for social workers and other mental health professionals to essentially ride along with police going out to some of these areas um, where they're dealing with issues. 
and uh, it seems to be a program that's working really well in the cities that have it. And so more money is uh, provided for those cities to continue those programs, as well as for other cities to expand in other areas of the state. And I think that's a really promising bit of funding um, to help address some of our behavioral health issues. And then I think one of the other big change, big differences between the House and Senate budgets and, and sort of maybe where you see some of the um, additional revenues that are available for the House operating budget being spent is really in the behavioral health area. So the House has a, a more significant investment in behavioral health and in particular in community behavioral health to sort of um, take some of the capacity statewide uh, where we're really seeing gaps maybe in um, sort of out of the urban areas uh, to help address a, a crisis that seemed to be statewide on behavioral health issues. Great. Well, I know that's certainly an issue uh, like all of these that are hitting hitting cities and city leaders where they live. So I'm, I'm glad that that's, uh, that's something we've seen good progress on. Um, any, any other points from this, uh, these proposed budgets that, that our members would need to know about? I think one area, and maybe Sheila can just touch on this, is um, MRSC and the, the funding for that program. Yeah, and so that, that funding is another one that we've been watching over the years. Uh, the good news is both the House and Senate budgets fully fund MRSC's funding requests for the biennium and uh, seems to be uh, positive for MRSC and the recognition of the valuable services they provide to local jurisdictions. Great. Well, we've, we've talked a little already about what our listeners can do and uh, it's a, that it is a good time for them to contact their legislators. Is there, is there anything else that you would encourage uh, our listeners to do to, to help cities on the budgets? We have talked about the importance of cities talking to their, their local legislators and sharing what's in the budget that, that really helps cities. Uh, AWC is continuing to put out uh, current information as these budget proposals change. Um, as we talked about earlier, we're in this really complicated point in the budget cycle where where there are these nine different versions sort of floating around out there. They're all being amended, and we're about to move into um, this negotiation phase. And it gets hard to get information out once they go into those closed-door negotiation sessions. So keep talking to your legislators. Keep sharing that information. Keep watching AWC's website for latest budget updates. We're putting out some new tools, a budget uh, hot sheet. We have our budget matrix online. So we try and provide enough information that folks can really see um, how their cities are impacted. So keep keep watching those locations. And is it, Candace, is it too early to call this the home stretch with just about three weeks left? I really want to call it the home okay, stretch, we'll, Brian. We'll let's just call it the home stretch. Let's just call it the home stretch then and, and say uh, it's no time to get fatigued. We want to have one... Uh, you know, one last big push and uh, and make sure that cities get what they need in the budget. That's, yeah, that's absolutely true. So keep it up out there. Um, keep letting your, talking to your legislators. Let them know it's important to cities. I know as the weather gets better, it's easier to forget um, that we're still here in Olympia and the legislature is still working, but keep it up. Well, uh, thank you both for being here today and thank you for the, all the work that you've put in uh, behind the scenes and um, and advocating for budgets that are that are helpful to cities. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.